Hey guys, welcome back or welcome to Bring Your Own Baggage. I'm your host Justine and I'm here to talk about mental health and body image issues on college campuses from the perspective of a college student. These struggles are much more prevalent than you'd expect and I'm here to let you know that you're not alone. Hi Duffles and welcome back. Um, I just want to start this episode off by saying thank you for all of the love and support um, for the AAPI episodes. I really appreciate it. As I mentioned in the episode, I was really anxious to post those. So I appreciate everyone who texted me. And it's just so crazy that people listen to this podcast. I don't know. It's still crazy to me. Um, and I don't know. I really appreciate when people are like, wow, I like that. I like learning from that. And I also wanted to thank again, the guests who came on and who were so open with me, um, because I know that they were, anxious about that too and it takes a lot to be able to come on and share all these very personal experiences so thank you guys again for that i don't really have any life updates for you guys (laughs) shocker but i am excited about this episode today we are going to be talking about crisis hotlines um, in particular madison house's helpline and the hint for our guest is that he is the hbd of helpline so going straight to the top for this episode But I guess with that, we'll just get right on into the intro. All right, guys. So as I mentioned, we have a very special guest today. So today I'm joined with Daniel Shapiro. Daniel is a third year from Cincinnati, Ohio, double majoring in statistics and neuroscience, which is absolutely insane. I read that and I texted him. I was like, hey, are you all right? (laughs) He's also applying to MD slash PhD programs this summer. Crazy. He's a part of Helpline, the HPD of Helpline. He is a U-Guide. Jeez, I should have read this over before I started. He's also a scribe in the emergency department, does research at a UVA lab, and is an chem- intro chemistry TA. Wow. <laughs> That's like the most impressive intro I've ever read. Oh, wait, no. But most exciting out of all of this, though, and probably Daniel's biggest accomplishment is that he was the second largest baby born in a, at a hospital in Cincinnati, and he was 11 pounds and 1.5 ounces. So... Welcome, Daniel. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I was going to ask you to bring a baby picture, but I was like, mm, that's probably too weird. But <laughs> I don't even pounds. know if I have any. <laughs> I'm sure the hospital has like a picture of you like framed sure. in like the entry or something. <laughs> yeah, but that's crazy. So um, today we're just going to be talking about Helpline, which is a um, crisis hotline. And first, Daniel, just, do you just want to let us know like what Helpline is and what the training process for that is? Yeah, of course. Um, So Helpline is an anonymous and confidential crisis hotline run entirely by UVA students through Madison House. Um, We're normally open 24-7, but due to COVID, we're only open from 9 a.m. to midnight this semester. Um, We're hoping it'll go back to normal next year. Mm. And then in terms of training, training is a 10-week process, um, and everyone's put into a small group of about 10 new members and three experienced trainers. And we cover topics including basic empathy, gender and sexuality, mental illness, sexual assault and suicide, among some other topics. And each week is basically dedicated to one of those topics. And at the end of the semester, you're a full-fledged volunteer. Yeah, that's awesome. So basically, volunteers for Helpline, they have to volunteer or train for a semester before they actually get to start taking calls and such. Yeah, exactly. So you do the semester and then um, you can be online the following semester. Mm-hmm. 
Awesome. All right. Thank you for that. So we're just going to jump right into the personal experience then. So Daniel, why did you join HL? Mm -hmm. So I've always been very uh, passionate about mental health. Um, my dad's a child psychiatrist. Uh, oh. Mental illness is pretty common in my family, I would say. And I struggled with depression in middle school and then periodically throughout high school. And because of all of that, I was pretty comfortable with mental health and talking about it. But I realized that literally no one else was comfortable doing that. Mm -hmm. um, so I always found that my friends were too scared to talk about their mental health or seek help for any mental health issues they were having. And I always tried to make people feel comfortable opening up about those things. Um, but and then when I got to college, um, I was trying to find some volunteer opportunities, and I actually I actually accidentally stumbled upon Helpline on the Madison House like volunteer page. Mm -hmm. And when I read about it, I was like, "This is absolutely it. This is what I've been looking for forever." So I joined, and it's mm -hmm. been incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And I didn't say this in the intro, but basically as HPD, Daniel is like in charge of Helpline. Um, HPD just stands for Head Program Director at Madison House. So that's really impressive. That's crazy to be like you stumbled upon Helpline and then yeah. now you're literally running it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's been crazy, but it's been incredible. Yeah, awesome. What is it like having a dad that's a child psychiatrist? Um, it's a little weird. Um we always just, I don't know, we've always just talked about mental health. Um, he'll talk about like certain patients, obviously, like anonymously, because mm -hmm. you can't share that stuff. But <laughs> we'll talk about certain patients. And like, I'm always hearing about the new medications that are out for different things. Um, and my house has just always been an environment where I felt like safe talking about mental health, which mm -hmm. has been really nice. Um, and honestly, that's probably part of the reason why I want to become a doctor is just because I've seen my dad do it for so long. And he's loved it so much. Um, and it just seems like a really incredible thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you want to go to school for psychiatry? Um, honestly, I don't know. I think like in terms of medicine, I'm pretty open to everything. I don't want to do dermatology. I don't know why, <laughs> but for some reason, skin kind of freaks me out. Uh, so I'm really open to anything, um, but definitely psychiatry is something that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay. So that's what it means up here when you're applying to MD slash PhD programs. Yeah. Is it like med school that you're applying to this summer? Yeah. So MD PhD oh, programs, you do like med school and then you do your PhD in the middle of like the med school thing. So it's a lot of school. It's eight years, but oh my gosh, yeah, I think it'll be good because that's what I want to do in the future. Yeah. That's insane. Well, if anyone can do it, it's you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So moving on, what is the most challenging aspect of being a crisis line call operator? Mm -hmm. So I just want to mention that I'm no longer on lines anymore just because I'm not like, I'm like a public facing member of the organization and we really value the whole um, anonymous aspect of helpline. But speaking from personal experience, I think the hardest part was that you can't really do anything after the caller hangs up. Mm. Um, I've had several calls where I've thought, oh, I didn't do enough for this person, or I should have done this or that or whatever. I think this really connects with suicide calls you receive because literally no one feels good after receiving a suicide call. Yeah. Um, and we really emphasize in training that you can't like plant the idea of harming yourself in someone's head. Um, and just because the caller doesn't say at the end of the call, oh, I'm not suicidal anymore. Thank you. You know, whatever. <laughs> doesn't mean you failed as a volunteer. Mm -hmm. And just to be clear, that does not happen. People <laughs> don't just magically not become suicidal anymore. It's a very yeah. long process. Mm -hmm. um, but really just being there for them is extremely helpful. And in the end, our goal isn't to solve everyone's issues. We're really just here to make sure that everyone can be heard 
And instead of solving their issues for them, rather we're there so they can pretty much figure out the solution on their own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that experience is just, it's hard because you feel very helpless because it's great that you can be there in that moment for them and kind of talk through what they're feeling. But at the same time, like you basically don't know anything about them. You don't know like where they are. And I feel like as a volunteer, that can be really challenging. Yeah. I really liked what you said at the end about how the point of helpline is kind of just to make sure that everyone is heard because I talk a lot about the importance of social support and stuff in dealing with mental health issues. And I feel like people or like when you call a crisis line, it's probably because you don't have the social support that you need. Mm -hmm. And so it's really awesome that these volunteers are able to kind of provide that person for anyone who's calling Um, and provide support for them, even if they don't really know anything about them. Yeah, definitely. And honestly, I think when talking about mental health, sometimes it can be easier to talk to someone you don't know. Yeah. um, Just because like, it can be really scary to open up about these things to people you do know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just like having this kind of random person who you don't know, you can't see them and just being able to talk to them, I think is really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I know that a lot of people find it hard to go to therapy because they're like, how am I going to tell all of my like deepest insecurities and stuff Mm -hmm. to a random person? But I thought that therapy was easy in the way that I was like, this person doesn't know anything about me. Like she only sees me like Mm -hmm. once a week when I talk about this. So it was like easier for me to talk to my therapist than my friends, which that might be a weird personal (laughs) issue that I have. (laughs) No, I think that's good. I I went to therapy, what, from middle school, high school. I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed it. Um, I had like one or two bad therapists, but Mm -hmm. I mean, that's also another piece of like another piece, but so just because you have a bad therapist doesn't mean that all therapists are Mm -hmm. bad. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just don't like mesh with them. Um, sometimes it's just like a bad therapist, which is unfortunate, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I, I took me a while to find a therapist that I liked, but I'm really happy. And it was yeah. a, a really good experience. Yeah, that's true. I really like the idea of like therapist shopping because mm-hmm. <laughs> therapists aren't robots. Like they're not all made the same. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, they're still humans. And so you click with different people differently. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so great point. I was going to say something else and I lost my train of thought. So let's just move on to the next question. Um, So do you feel like it's been a rewarding experience to be on HL? And if so, why? Yes, absolutely. Um, I might be biased because I'm the program director, (laughs) but I I think it's been one of the- Since I run it, I think it's kind of okay. (laughs) But no, I I definitely think it's been one of the most rewarding experiences I've done at UVA. Um, In terms of like some more internal things, I've never been around so many people who've been so passionate about mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I mentioned before, like people just like don't like talking about this kind of thing. Um, And so the fact that all these people sign up for helpline in the first place means they want to help people with mental health issues. They all have to be willing to go through this 10 week training process, which is pretty intensive, and then have the possibility of taking some really difficult calls. And it's just really exciting for me to be surrounded by people like that. And when I was being trained, I got really close with my um, my training group. And then after I trained, I was a trainer for two or three semesters. Um, And it was really incredible to be able to discuss the topics we talk about with people who come from all different backgrounds and perspectives. Mm -hmm. Um, And most of the time, trainees have experience with some of the topics we discuss. Um, I think like when I was being trained, almost everyone could relate to one of the topics or had experience with one of those topics. And uh, we try and make it an environment where people feel comfortable talking about these things within their training group, Mm -hmm. which is really nice because it's kind of like a a mini therapy session, but um, you also get to like hear people's experiences with those topics. Mm -hmm. And then 
of course, it's extremely rewarding to be able to take calls, actually. Um, again, I'm not on lines anymore, which is a little upsetting, but obviously yeah. very necessary. And I mentioned that sometimes you don't feel good after calls, but a lot of times you feel really, really great after. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost everyone who calls is extremely appreciative of us, and they express that a lot throughout the call. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my past volunteering experience, I've always kind of felt like I'm not really doing anything. Um, obviously, all volunteering is good, and like mm-hmm. you're obviously you're making an impact on someone. But personally, I just felt like I wasn't making an impact on anyone. Um, And this is the first time with volunteering where I felt like I can really make a difference in people's lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like after, you know, like taking tough calls like you were talking about, and even if they don't like the caller at the end doesn't say like, thank you, you've cured my depression with this 30 minute call. (laughs) Like you still know that it's it means something to them to have Mm -hmm. someone to talk to. And so you see that you're making a difference in someone's life. Um, which is really amazing. One of the reasons why I started this podcast was because I felt like mental health is something that's not really talked about a lot in colleges. And, you know, a lot of people struggle with mental health, mental illness, um, but they feel like they can't share that in college because they'll be judged and stuff like that. So with Helpline, it feels like you've created a community, like a bubble of people at UVA who are open to talking about mental health. And you know, you can go to these different volunteers and they won't judge you for anything that you're struggling with mental health wise. And I'm just curious, like are most of the volunteers, I feel like most of the volunteers would be like psych majors or something like that. People like going into the field of therapy and clinical psych, but I don't know if that's true. If they're like a bunch of different majors of people who volunteer. Yeah. I definitely say a big bulk of them are psych majors just because like a lot of psych majors want to go into therapy or Mm -hmm. just something with psychology, like that kind of realm. Mm -hmm. Um, But like we definitely do have other like types of majors. Like I'm, you know, like I said, neuroscience and statistics, Mm -hmm. Um, a couple of the PDs that I'm with, uh, one of them's a nursing student and PD's program director. So Mm -hmm. they like work right under me. Um, One of them's a nursing student. One of them's doing human biology. One's doing sociology. um, One's doing computer science. So like literally all types of majors, all types of people are doing it. Yeah. Um, And I think that's nice that like these different majors, because I feel like your major kind of like gives you a snapshot of who you are as a person Mm -hmm. in some capacity. Um, so like we all have these different backgrounds, which I think is really cool. So we can mm-hmm. like, if we're discussing these types of things, we all have different perspectives or viewpoints of like what those things mean. Thank you for sharing that. And it shows, I feel like with the variety of majors um, in Helpline, it kind of shows that everyone struggles with mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, people who want to go into psychology aren't the only ones <laughs> with mental health issues. I remember seeing something on Twitter. It was like people who major in psych are just trying to figure out their own issues <laughs> and that's why they major in it or something along the lines of that. And I was like, that's kind of true, but. <laughs> um, and the final question is, what is one thing you wish people knew about Helpline? Yeah, I think the biggest thing f- like in terms of callers is that you can literally call about anything Um, when people hear about crisis hotlines and I like used to think this as well, I would be like, oh, you can only call if you're like actively suicidal or you Mm -hmm. just suffered some extremely traumatic event. Mm -hmm. And while we're here, absolutely here to talk about those things. And we've all been trained to talk about those things. Um, we're also here to talk about literally anything else. So, uh, we have callers who talk about just like general college stress Mm -hmm. or people who just need to vent about certain situations like breakups 
Um, and we even get some callers who literally are just like on a walk, like walking their dog and they just want to talk to someone about like what happened during their day. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're happy to hear from all those people. So if you ever need to talk to someone, we are here for you. Yeah. Awesome. And I think that's really good to know that it doesn't have to be like something extremely traumatic that you went through that warrants a call to a crisis Mm -hmm. line. And again, what we were talking about, like if you just need social support during something, if you feel like you know, you're not ready to talk to your friends about something and just want a anonymous person who doesn't know anything about you and you don't know anything about them to talk to, then I feel like Helpline is a really great resource for that. Mm-hmm. All right. So thank you for sharing all of that, Daniel. And now we're just going to get right into the advice. All right. So just jumping right into the advice. First, we're going to talk about advice for calling crisis hotlines. And this is all from US News, in particular, Darby Fox, who is a child and adolescent family therapist. So most people only call a hotline in a time of urgent need, and many callers don't have time to prepare in any significant way. However, trying to remain calm, to breathe, and have a clear understanding of the situation and what is causing distress is a first step in effectively communicating with a hotline operator. And again, like we talked about, you know, you can call a hotline in a time of urgent need, but at the same time, if you just want someone to talk to, then please do that. Go ahead and call a helpline for that. Um, Next is you'll get more out of a call if you take a moment before you call to jot down your most immediate concerns Um, because the person who picks up the call will have a limited history. You'll get the most help if you're focused with your questions. This is something that I do before therapy too. I write down a little list of what I want to talk to Heather about. And then instead of just like racking my brain for anything wrong (laughs) that happened to me that week, I'm like ready with a list of things I want to talk to her about. Next is to have a piece of paper nearby so you can take notes on your conversation um, it's hard to remember the advice once you hang up if you're emotional during the call. <laughs> I, I mean, it makes sense because like you do have like it's hard to remember everything you talked about. And just yeah. like in the moment you could be like, oh, I really liked what they said. But then like 20 minutes later, you'll be like, what did they say? I don't remember. Yeah. Having something to take notes is again like helpful because if you are super stressed, um, you probably want to remember the advice that the person is talking to you about. But again, trying to remember that all when you're super emotional having everything running through your head like a million miles a minute super hard um finally a crisis counselor will ask you why you're calling and what your situation is and then essentially just talk to you they'll help you try to find a solution to your concerns and sometimes that means just having conversation and providing reassurance other times that might mean connecting you to a local resource based on what you're looking for so this kind of just like gives a little background of what a call would look like to make it a little less scary and then i have some advice on self-care for um, call operators um, so for, for the call operators, you really want to use social support and talk to other call operators. Uh, just like with mental health struggles, talking to someone about what you're going through is extremely important. Uh, it can be hard as a helpline or just any crisis hotline operator to process those difficult shifts since you have to maintain anonymity and you may not be able to share those tough experiences with your friends or family. But at least like internally for Helpline, um, the Helpline program directors and fellow volunteers are always there to talk to you about stuff. And then it's also really important to prioritize self-care. Um, self-care doesn't have to be like super extravagant or doesn't have to be a luxury. It's much harder to help others effectively if you don't take time to care for yourself. And self-care doesn't have to be a big ordeal. It can be something as simple as going on a walk with a friend. Uh, drawing, baking, or going to bed a little earlier than you normally do. Um, I've gotten really into paint by numbers recently, and that has oh been very nice. It's very calming. Um, and you just like take 20 or 30 minutes and you paint a little, and I feel very relaxed afterward. Yeah, my friend Kristen, she actually got super into paint by numbers, <laughs> and she made all of these like 
she had like a custom paint by numbers made yes. of her dogs and it's yes. crazy i feel like i don't have the patience for that but it does look very like calming if you do yeah in the beginning when you're like just starting you're like i don't even know what i'm trying to be drawing yeah. it's so bad <laughs> But after a while, it starts looking really good. And oh, really my gosh. That's funny. I think she made a frog in her uh, dog. I did one of the preset ones. The first okay. one I did was, like, the balloons from Up. That oh. one was really cool. It had a lot of colors. Mm -hmm. And now I'm doing some, like, Venice City scene. I don't Ooh. know. But it looks good that's right crazy. now. crazy. And they look so professional, like, when you're done I with know. it. Like, the shading and everything. It's crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. Wow. Awesome. Okay, so this is just advice for if you have a tough call, and this also doesn't just apply to crisis hotline operators. It could be any, like I learned these techniques in my stress and anxiety management class. So this could just be a day-to-day -day thing. So the first is the four, seven, eight breath. And the positive effects of breathing techniques typically involving an out-breath that is longer than an in-breath are well known and can provide an immediate calming effect on our central nervous systems, making us less reactive. So to do this, breathe in through your nose to a count of four, Hold your breath for a count of seven, exhale on the count of eight, and repeat the cycle at least twice. I feel like one of those meditation videos when I just said that. <laughs> I was like trying to talk in a calming voice. I was like, breathe in through your nose on the count of four. <laughs> um, the, next, the next is just practicing mindfulness, and you can do this through a tour of the five senses in this technique. So for this technique, you can sit in a chair with your hands open, breathing gently and comfortably, notice and noticing the present. Next. Follow through the five senses with your fingers. So first is sight. And to do this, close and bend your thumb. Find a focus for your eyes. Explore the object, attending to details you haven't noticed before. Next is sounds. Closing your pointer finger, listen to the sounds and the surrounding silence. Next is smells. Enjoy both the in-breath and the out-breath while you close your middle finger. Feel the moment, the movement of the air on your nostrils and lips and pay attention to any smells. Next is touch. Close your ring finger and notice the chair you're sitting in, supporting your weight and your back. Feel the clothes you're wearing and the air on your skin. Finally, is taste. Close your pinky finger and become aware of your mouth, the sensations on your tongue, and the taste of your saliva. Uh, I haven't done the taste of your saliva one before, but I mean, I guess just really, <laughs> this stuff like really grounds you like and just paying attention to stuff that you don't normally pay attention to on a day-to-day -day basis. All right, so that closes out the advice for us. and. I'm just going to hand it off to Daniel to just give us our outro. So I think from all of this, I think my biggest piece of advice is that if you're struggling with your mental health or literally anything, reach out to someone. It doesn't matter if it's a friend or a family member, a therapist, or even us at Helpline. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I kind of mentioned this earlier, but telling someone or just talking about these things is extremely scary and probably one of the scariest things you can do. Uh, when I was struggling with depression, I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want to burden anyone. And after a while, I kind of realized that if a friend was in a similar situation, I would want them to tell me. And that kind of gave me the motivation to open up to a friend about it. Um, and after I told my friend, I was finally able to start the process of getting better. And I am extremely thankful that I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Calling a crisis hotline calling a friend is extremely brave and kudos to anyone who does call hotline. I remember my second year, I almost called helpline because I was like, eh, but then I chickened out and I got too scared. So don't be like me. <laughs> and if you need to talk to someone, please do call helpline. Like Daniel said, they are here for you. They are literally trained to listen to you and they want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. 
So I will also be listing some crisis hotlines and the numbers, including the Madison House helpline in the podcast info bio. There's also a crisis hotline that you can text if that's more comfortable for you. Um, so thank you so much for coming on, Daniel. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Yeah. And if you guys are still listening, make sure to bring your own baggage next week and I will see you then. Bye. Bye, everyone.